If you're tired of these promos, supporters get the podcast early and ad-free. Just go to donate.bogosity.tv for the links to sign up. Welcome to the Bogosity Podcast's 2020 Year in Review, the podcast that's better late than never. This is your host, Shane Killian. And yes, I know I'm a week late for this. Unfortunately, I got hit by COVID and had to spend a couple of weeks recovering. But I'm back now, so let's go through 2020 and see if we can figure out who the biggest Yahoo was. And there's a lot of competition this year. Right off the bat, environmentalists took biggest bogan emitter for blaming Australia's wildfires on global warming when they're actually the result of dry seasons that don't correlate at all with global temperatures. That didn't stop them deliberately spreading misleading maps and pictures as memes all over the internet. Lindsey Graham also picked up the first idiot extraordinaire for trying to threaten encryption regulation, which was going to backfire later in the year. Bill Barr followed up his biggest bogan emitter the next week when he blamed Apple for holding up its investigation in the Pensacola shooting when Apple actually responded to each request within a matter of hours. It was the FBI who delayed letting Apple know they needed extra assistance. In fact, encryption kept taking a beating as the DOJ renewed its call for government access to backdoors, even as companies were implementing end-to-end encryption so more people could telecommute during the COVID pandemic. Tulsi Gabbard had to be told by the court how the First Amendment works when she tried suing Google and the Trump administration backed Oracle against their Google fight we'd covered the previous year. Hmm, it's as if they were wanting to gear up a move against big tech or something, which they kept up with their continued actions against Section 230 to the point where Trump placed a repeal of Section 230 requirement in his veto of the NDAA. And, too late to make it into the last podcast, Tulsi Gabbard and Paul Gozer introduced another anti-Section 230 bill. Once again, we see that opposition to the First Amendment is a bipartisan effort. In Gabbard's case, she was probably reeling from the fact that her stupid lawsuit against Google was quickly dismissed. Meanwhile, tech started doing a better job with a lot of things such as Zoom, now faced with millions instead of thousands of users, developing world-changing end-to-end encryption after a few missteps, which got them big as bug on emitter a couple of times, that mean we can now do video conferencing securely with no fear of spying or hacking. There's a few more bits of miscellany here and there, such as YouTube taking down a live stream on copyright grounds before it even started, metadata from Google leading to a wrongful arrest, copyright takedowns of Google listings of websites that use the word did, the Jehovah's Witnesses trying to use the DMCA to get the personal information of apostates, in fact, a ton of DMCA abuses we don't even have time to summarize, the Copyright Alliance trying to take down the Internet Archive's emergency library at a time when it was needed the most, Venezuela ramming a cruise ship and claiming it was transporting mercenaries. And on a more positive note, it seems to have been a rally year for cryptocurrency, so look for governments to try and stick even harsher regulations on exchanges. But the problem might be the dollar, because even Goldman Sachs, as the price of gold flirts with $2,000 an ounce, said gold could reach $2,300 an ounce next year and warned that new steps by the Fed could result in inflation pushing prices up further. 
We also cover the Julian Assange extradition hearing with more in-depth coverage over on the YouTube channel. Assange continued to be mistreated and subjected to a Kafkaesque kangaroo court, which never had any intention of letting him put on a defense, keeping him locked in a cage at the back of the courtroom, preventing him from even passing notes to his lawyers. He couldn't even shake their hands. Judge Vanessa Bereitzer said that this was all fine because Assange could always call out from the box to his lawyers. But on the two occasions he tried to do just that, she silenced him and threatened to have him removed if he did it again. Assange was held in Belmarsh in maximum security and subject to pretty much every kind of torment, even though his crimes involved him being in a chat room and posting on a website. It also came out that a Spanish security firm spied on Assange on behalf of the CIA while he was in exile. The lateness of this podcast does allow us to give an update. The request to extradite Assange was denied by Judge Bereitzer. Don't do too much celebrating. She basically gave them every argument they need to go after journalists in the future. It was denied on the basis of the treatment he would receive in U.S. prisons. But she did deny bail for him while the U.S. prepares an appeal. So on and on it goes. And right out the gate, the news media took idiot extraordinary in January when they slammed the Second Amendment rally in Virginia as white nationalist, even though not a single person at the rally could be positively identified as a white nationalist, and also scaremongered about a show of force, even though the rally was completely peaceful. But it wasn't just the news media, it was groups such as Amnesty International and even Governor Ralph Northam who declared a state of emergency in the state, saying that they, quote, have as their purpose not peaceful assembly, but violence, rioting, and insurrection. We even saw the downfall of The Intercept, to the point where Glenn Greenwald was forced to resign from the news outlet he co-founded after he wrote a story criticizing the Biden campaign and the intelligence community. And there'll be a lot more to say about the news media as we move on. If you're looking for ways to support this channel, but you don't have any spare cash and you can't stand advertisements, you can do so by generating your own cryptocurrency. Use the links at the bottom of the description to listen to the podcast and all of my videos on bittube.tv or lbry.tv to get cryptocurrency for the creator and yourself. Or if you listen to the podcast at the podcast page, you'll also generate crypto. You can also go to airtime.bogosity.tv to get the airtime extension and generate crypto for yourself and the creators on the web anywhere you go, including my YouTube channel. Get five tubes free just for installing the extension and signing up, and then simply browse the web as normal. Easily monetize your favorite creators and yourself with cryptocurrency without advertising on BidTube.tv or LBRY.tv or with the airtime extension at airtime.pagosity.tv. We have to talk about police. From relatively minor things like putting out an alert on people using Kali Linux, North Carolina courts having to explain to cops that it's not illegal for people to flip them the bird, and Myrtle Beach police continuing to arrest women for wearing bikinis, to the major controversy of the year, the clear, cold-blooded murder of George Floyd, which spawned a new round of Black Lives Matter protests. A Massachusetts drug unit lied outright about the extent of their excessive force deployment. In fact, the DOJ found that excessive force was routine in Massachusetts. 
Maryland did a lot of virtue signaling about police misconduct that occurred everywhere else while ignoring brutal killings by their own cops. The bad behavior by police not only in the George Floyd case, but also Jacob Blake and Breonna Taylor resulted in a lot of unrest and a lot of first-time gun buyers among liberals, especially women and minorities. And, of course, that results in politicians continuing to scaremonger about milling machines and 3D printers making so-called ghost guns. Because when it comes down to it, everyone knows a gun is your best defense, which means it's a shame that the police chief of Lowell, Michigan, was forced to resign after praising armed citizens for keeping out looters. Crazy. We also saw more of the horrors caused by qualified immunity, the main way police literally get away with murder. But we also saw that maybe this was starting to be chipped away, including a case where the Supreme Court overturned a qualified immunity case. And we also saw that a majority of Americans oppose qualified immunity. Not that Congress is doing anything about it. One of the big stories was about Mark and Patricia McCloskey, who defended their property without firing a shot against a mob who broke down the gate to their private community. The press, of course, is making them out to be dangerous vigilantes, and Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner had her office engage in direct fraud to charge them. Pat's gun had been rendered inoperable so it could be used in a trial she was involved in as an attorney. Gardner's office rebuilt the gun, directly tampering with evidence, and officially reported that the gun was capable of firing, even though it hadn't been at the time of the incident. Since then, a judge disqualified Gardner from the case because she kept using this case to drive fundraising for her re-election campaign. That should tell you everything you need to know. Of course, the news media kept referring to them as armed vigilantes and white supremacists and so on, as they do. But the most blatant example had to be that of Kyle Rittenhouse. He signed on to protect a local business with a few others after a Black Lives Matter protest in the wake of the Jacob Blake shooting started getting violent. Rittenhouse, all on video, was violently attacked and defended himself with the rifle he'd been given, killing two of his assailants and wounding a third. We covered the video footage, and it's about as close to a textbook example of self-defense as you could ever want. In fact, all you'd really need is the criminal complaint that's been filed against him. It acknowledges the situation and basically gives any defense attorney anything you would need to demonstrate self-defense, using linguistic tricks to try and obfuscate it. For example, one of his assailants, Anthony Huber, had a skateboard. He went up to Rittenhouse to try and pull his gun away from him, an act of assault for which self-defense is absolutely allowed, and in the process started beating Rittenhouse with the skateboard. But the way the DA phrased it was, quote, When Huber reaches the defendant, it appears that he is reaching for the defendant's gun with his left hand as the skateboard makes contact with the defendant's left shoulder. Watch the video. The skateboard didn't happen to glance against his shoulder or anything. Hubert was beating him with it. We've repeatedly said to watch for this. Passive voice, or an inanimate object being the subject of the sentence. It means they're trying to hide something. But of course, the news media decided, instead of reporting the facts, to lie about Rittenhouse. Nothing of the self-defense or his attackers were mentioned, not even that they all had criminal records. In fact, when Tucker Carlson pointed out that this was obvious self-defense, there were calls from numerous media figures for him to be fired, including our old favorite Robert Reich. 
Twitter had left up all of the tweets calling Rittenhouse a murderer and a domestic terrorist, but took down the tweets of those claiming he acted in self-defense. The press tried to play the race card by emphasizing that Rittenhouse was a white man when Rittenhouse is Latino. The three guys he shot were white, but Slate specifically called it, and I quote, Black people attempting to disarm a white vigilante. They also repeatedly lied when they said he crossed state lines with the weapon when he was given the weapon in Kenosha. Rittenhouse lives just across the border in Antioch, Illinois, which is part of the Kenosha metro area and even shares bus routes. But the press made it seem like he deliberately traveled a long way to get there, as if that made any difference. In reality, his assailants had traveled a longer distance than he had. Even Snopes dropped the ball when they wrote, On August 25, 2020, footage showed 17-year-old Rittenhouse firing at protesters with an AR-15-style firearm after being chased in Kenosha. He was not legally old enough to wield an assault rifle in that state. That coverage is full of mistakes they wouldn't have made if they'd simply watched the videos. Instead, they relied on a single video of two minutes of edited highlights. And notice how they, along with the rest of the media, kept slipping AR-15 in there because that's their trigger word as we've covered on numerous occasions. In reality, Rittenhouse was carrying not a Colt AR-15, but a Smith & Wesson M&P 15 Sport 2 OR. And you have no idea how much work it took me to find that out. It's not even properly identified in the criminal complaint. They all use the phrase AR-15 style weapon. They don't even use the correct term for that style of weapon, which is MSR, or Modern Sporting Rifle. Rittenhouse's case has been compared to that of Crystal Kaiser. Like Rittenhouse, she was 17, and this occurred in Kenosha as well. She was arrested for killing the man who was forcibly sex trafficking her. She's charged with first-degree intentional homicide, and her bail is set at $1 million. She contracted COVID in June while in jail and was denied medical attention. She was finally released after her bond was lowered to $400,000. She's still awaiting trial. It's just funny, though. After all this police misconduct and injustice, the Democrats nominated tough-on-crime Joe Biden and top cop Kamala Harris. If you're on the Wi-Fi in a coffee shop or hotel, anyone on that network can get your traffic. Do you really trust all of those strangers? For that matter, do you really trust your ISP? A VPN can protect you from prying eyes, disguise your location, and even foil government censors. It's essential in this day and age. So go to vpn.bogosity.tv and you'll be taken to BoxPN. Starting at just $2.99 a month, you can get unlimited high-speed connections to VPN servers all over the world. And they don't log connections, so your privacy is assured. Traveling abroad, just VPN home. And don't worry about what those other governments are doing. Back at home, stop your ISP from traffic shaping and messing with the quality internet access you're paying good money for. You can connect from multiple machines at once, including your smartphone or tablet, and it supports all the secure standards, including OpenVPN and SSTP. Bypass sensors and surveillance with your own secure VPN connection. Go to vpn.pagosity.tv. Of course, we have to talk about the COVID-19 pandemic. We pointed out on the 2nd of February 
that any extra measures taken to control the outbreak would have economic consequences of their own, and that the trend would be to overestimate the risk of COVID while downplaying or even ignoring the consequences of lockdowns and other mandates. And boy, oh boy, were we right about that. The bad news started in March when Facebook started banning genuine COVID-19 news, which they ended up having to go back on. But they continued to censor and denigrate any news or analysis of COVID-19 that didn't match a very specific narrative. Even if it was based on data that came from the WHO or the CDC or some other reputable organization. Data that kept changing. Both organizations originally said that masks were unnecessary, then said they should be mandatory for everyone, despite their own data saying that people with asymptomatic colonizations of SARS-CoV-2 are probably not carriers, especially children. In fact, we saw that the WHO's response to COVID was corrupted by China's influence over the organization. And we quickly saw COVID being used to push politicians' pet policies. Bernie Sanders and other cronies said it's why we need Medicare for all, despite the evidence of Italy, the UK, and many other countries of so-called universal health care being overwhelmed by COVID to the point where they screwed up everything else as well, most notably cancer screenings and treatments which will likely cost more lives in the long run than COVID. And as we saw, that could translate to 35,000 extra cancer deaths in the UK. And hospitals in major lockdown areas like California found themselves having prepared for COVID surges that never came, meaning COVID resources were idle while other things like cancer screenings were unavailable. Moreover, Healthcare workers were laid off in a time when they were arguably needed the most, and the ones that were left had their hours severely cut. Let's just say they weren't the ones dancing on TikTok at the end of the year. Never once to let a good crisis go to waste, we had Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden pushing COVID lies that had already been debunked, falsely claiming that Trump said COVID was a hoax when he never did. Really? No one should trust any government after COVID. Important testing procedures were delayed for months by the FDA and similar administrations in other countries. And the curfews, mask mandates, and lockdowns were shown in numerous independent analyses to have had no effect whatsoever on the spread or deaths from COVID. But they did have a lot of other effects, such as increased depression and suicide and the permanent destruction of over 60% of small businesses businesses in America. And they're also illegal, with courts in Wisconsin, California, and other places saying that these orders violate the Constitution as well as separation of powers, with governors and their departments taking on statutory roles reserved exclusively for state legislatures. We saw that schools weren't the super spreaders they were made out to be. Dr. Fauci even admitted that Rand Paul had been right about that six months earlier. Of course, they're still closing schools down, despite the academic and mental toll that has been shown to be taking on children. In fact, a story that came out too late to make it into the last podcast was about a study from the University of Cambridge and published in the Archives of Disease and Childhood showing that the mental health of children has deteriorated substantially during the lockdown. Quote, during the UK lockdown, children's depression symptoms have increased substantially relative to before lockdown. The scale of this effect has direct relevance for the continuation of different elements of lockdown policy, such as complete or partial school closures. 
Specifically, we observed a statistically significant increase in ratings of depression with a medium to large effect size. Our findings emphasize the need to incorporate the potential impact of lockdown on child mental health in planning the ongoing response to the global pandemic and the recovery from it. Which, of course, they didn't do, even though the study echoes one from the CDC showing that one in four individuals ages 18 to 24 contemplated suicide during the spring lockdowns and a Harvard study showing massively increased rates of depression in young adults. That's why psychology professor Ellen Townsend started the website ReachWell.org, attempting to discourage damaging lockdowns and testing protocols. What science has always had to do in such a case which is to do targeted protection of the at-risk population and let the low-risk population go about their lives to develop herd immunity, was scorned and even censored by the very same people who were screeching, listen to the science. In fact, the data show that if there had been the targeted protection policy worldwide, the whole pandemic would have played itself out in just 70 days. It got to the point where scientists promoting the consensus were shouted down, denigrated, slandered, and even doxxed and threatened. That's not how you do science, people! And stuff like that includes Facebook blocking do-it-yourself mask instructions at a time when masks were hard to come by, while CNN lied about Elon Musk, claiming he didn't supply ventilators to hospitals, causing Musk to reply with several tweets proving he did, including pictures and paperwork and confirmation from people at the hospitals that received them. It wasn't even limited to the healthcare field. Governments shut down non-essential services, many of which, as it turns out, were in the supply chain for essential services. So meat, milk, and other items just went to waste. Thomas Massey introduced the Prime Act, which would have allowed small farmers to pick up the slack, something currently not allowed under USDA rules, but the act is languishing in committee. Members of Congress were even trying to use COVID as an excuse to ban e-cigarettes. But, as usual, it was rules for thee, not for me, as we saw politicians from Nancy Pelosi to Gavin Newsom engage in activities from going to salons to being around others in public unmasked to eating at fancy restaurants that they had restricted their constituents from doing, saying that these lockdowns are crucial to stop the spread of COVID-19. D.C. even specifically exempted lawmakers and government employees from the mask mandate. Business owners who dared to stay open were arrested, beaten, and jailed, and police have even raided family gatherings. Chicago was one of the worst offenders, with Mayor Lori Lightfoot being heavy-handed on people who violate the lockdowns who aren't her. She went to a salon to get a haircut that would have been illegal for anyone else in Chicago to get, and said, quote, I'm the public face of the city, and you know, I'm a person who takes personal hygiene very seriously, and I felt like I needed to have a haircut, so I got a haircut. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo has been seen on videos several times defying his own orders, behavior which gets the plebes beaten and arrested. We covered several times where California Governor Gavin Newsom engaged in behavior that was prohibited to the peasantry, including eating in restaurants, breaking the size limit in gatherings, and many other cases. And one of the times he was caught eating at a fancy restaurant, he said it was okay because the table was outside, which photos quickly showed to be a lie. Louisiana Governor John Bell Edwards forced bars all over the state to close, but hired a bar for a political fundraiser. I can go on and on at this.
but the most prominent offender was Dr. Anthony Fauci, the sainted prophet of COVID, who was the bastion of truth, and anyone who says anything against him should be censored from YouTube and Twitter and denigrated in the press. He's been shown several times violating his own recommendations, most famously not having his mask pulled up at a baseball game. But through it all, cases were still rising. In fact, there's no correlation whatsoever between lockdowns and mask mandates and the number of cases or deaths from COVID. None. It's a good thing we finally have a vaccine for COVID, if government will ever let us serfs get it, of course. They've already made sure they have it, Natch. Do you have children or nieces or nephews? Are you homeschooling or just want to counter some of the socialist indoctrination most children get in school? If so, go to bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins and you'll be taken to a website where you can get some great books for elementary age children. The Tuttle Twins books are books about liberty and free market economics that include children's versions of Bastiat's The Law, Leonard Reed's I Pencil, and Hayek's The Road to Serfdom, as well as books about the Federal Reserve and how regulations protect business cronies. They'll learn about the harm caused by eminent domain or regulations passed in the name of safety and fundamental concepts of liberty. And as you can see from the sample pages on the website, they're all easy to read and nicely illustrated. They're just $9.99 a piece, or get a special discount as well as free bonuses when you purchase all five. You can even buy in bulk to donate to schools and local libraries. So get the Tuttle Twins books at bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins. And finally, let's talk about the 2020 election. We should have known what we were in for way back in the Iowa caucus, where party officials ignored warnings from security experts about their poorly vetted computer code they were using in their voting app. But then we saw that a Yale study found that liberals dumbed down their speech when talking to minorities. We won't get into the details of the Trump derangement syndrome that kept going full force, just a microcosm. Trump. Echoing what was on the CDC's website, mentioned that the antiviral hydroxychloroquine that we covered might be an effective treatment for COVID. The press hit the roof, claiming that Trump was advising people to drink bleach, since HCQ is also an ingredient in aquarium bleach. Yeah, food babe level idiocy here. The real harm from that is, when a single study showed HCQ to be dangerous, the press spread it around everywhere and the WHO used it to stop all research into HCQ. And it turns out, the study was based on fraudulent data. Of course, the impeachment of Trump earlier in the year was rightly the subject of ridicule, as it was based on the Mueller report, which had been obviously bogus from the start, and it completely failed to show any wrongdoing. In the follow-ups on the Mueller team, it was found that they accidentally wiped over 30 cell phones relevant to the review of the case and the bias of those engaging in it. Of course, while that was going on, Trump was trying to set up quarantines of international airports and leftists said he was using COVID to scare people, and later in the year claimed he did nothing about COVID early on. The polls continued to be bogus, as we saw when we compared a Reuters-Ipsos poll showing that Americans wanted the new president in January to fill the Supreme Court vacancy versus a Marquette poll showing that Americans wanted Trump to go ahead and do it. When we dug into it, we found that the same Reuters-Ipsos poll had asked the same question a different way and got the opposite results. But of course, they didn't report that one. 
That's polls for you. Ask questions a bunch of different ways and only release the ones that fit the narrative you're trying to tell. We saw how Biden's policies would cost the economy almost 5 million jobs by 2030. And as for Biden's promise that he would cure cancer as president, not if his so-called charity is anything to go by. His cancer charity spent millions on payroll and zero on cancer research. The news media, as well as social media sites such as Twitter, put up a wall against a scandal in the days before the election based on emails found on a laptop belonging to Hunter Biden showing proof that they were using access to Joe Biden's office's VP to aid Ukraine and China. Twitter stopped all discussion of the scandal on the grounds that they don't allow hacked material when the laptop wasn't hacked. Lefties also screeched about how the emails were blatant forgeries and even said they were Russian disinformation, even though they were later shown to be genuine when the digital signatures validated and the other parties to the email verified them. Voters never got to hear about that before the election. Just like they never got to hear about the DOJ investigation into Hunter Biden's finances. Glenn Greenwald, one of the few true journalists still around, wrote an amazingly good article on Substack about it. He wrote, In sum, we have the extraordinary historic disgrace of media outlets collaborating with the intelligence community in the weeks before a presidential election to manufacture and peddle a propagandistic lie to justify censorship of highly relevant materials about the presidential frontrunner and his family's efforts to profit off his name, namely that the documents were not authentic, but rather Russian disinformation. On Twitter, he wrote, The Iraq WMD falsehoods were far more damaging, but at least they had the excuse they believed it. The Russiagate conspiracies were more sustained, but they could claim confusion. This was a case of purposeful lying. They knew the docs were genuine and didn't come from Russia. It didn't stop on Election Day. Despite a lot of very suspicious activity in several states, some of which was later backed up with sworn testimony and even video, the news media declared Biden the winner and said that anyone who doubted that was spreading fake news. YouTube kept demonetizing and even deleting videos explaining basic civics, showing that that just isn't how presidential elections work in this country. They wrote in an official statement, quote, we will start removing any piece of content uploaded today or any time after that misleads people by alleging that widespread fraud or errors changed the outcome of the 2020 U.S. presidential election. For example, we will remove videos claiming that a presidential candidate won the election due to widespread software glitches or counting errors. So you couldn't even talk about it! As Matt Taibbi, another of the last true journalists, wrote, if you want a population of people to stop thinking an election was stolen from them, it's hard to think of a worse method than ordering a news blackout after it's just been demonstrated that the last major blackout was a fraud. Referring to the censorship of the Hunter Biden story I mentioned earlier. Of course, before the election, Democrats were whining about how these people and those people and Russians and a lot of others were trying to steal the election from Joe Biden. Hillary Clinton told him not to concede under any circumstances, and people from CIA operatives to journalists were warning about widespread voter fraud. As Taibbi wrote, Amazing how those stories vanished after Election Day. What do we think the storylines would be right now if Trump had won? 
What would those aforementioned figures be saying on channels like MSNBC and CNN about what would they be speculating? Does anyone for a moment imagine that YouTube, Twitter, or Facebook would block efforts from those people to raise doubts about that hypothetical election result? In sum, it's okay to stoke public paranoia, encourage voters to protest legal election results, spread conspiracy theories about stolen elections, refuse to endorse legal election tallies, and even to file lawsuits challenging the validity of presidential results, so long as all of this activity is sanctified by officials in the right party, or by intelligence vets, or by friendlies at CNN, MSNBC, The New York Times, etc. If, however, the theories are coming from Donald Trump or some other disreputable species of uncredentialed American, then it's time for companies like YouTube to move in and wipe out over 8,000 videos and nudge people to channels like CBS and NBC, as well as to the homepage of the Federal Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. For some reason, wanting to make sure the votes were counted correctly and wanting to make sure there was no fraud was anti-democracy. Of course, that wasn't the tune they were singing four years ago when Jill Stein, acting on behalf of Hillary Clinton, started making claims of widespread voter fraud. Not that these attempts ever had a chance. The courts were being the same establishment lapdogs they usually are, doing everything they could to prevent evidence from being presented in court or even basic discovery. In states like Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Georgia, we saw all sorts of procedural antics that have nothing to do with the validity of the case. One big one was saying that such and such didn't have standing to sue. As iffy as standing is as a concept to begin with, one more and more legal experts are saying has no place in a justice system, even under the strictest interpretation, every single person in America would have standing to sue over fraud in the presidential election. We even saw cases where the court denied an evidentiary hearing and then threw out the case because the plaintiffs didn't present any evidence. Of course they didn't present evidence. You denied them the evidentiary hearing. That's how you present evidence and you didn't let them. The most ridiculous were the cases where they cited the doctrine of latches. Basically, this doctrine said you waited too long to sue. So long that the defendant would have lost much of the ability to defend himself because of lost paperwork, witnesses moving away, and memories fading. But they said that people who sued the day after the election waited too long. By the way, others had tried to sue before the election and were denied standing, saying that they hadn't yet been harmed because their candidate could still win. So... Sue the day before an election, and you don't have standing. Sue the day after, and you waited too long. Give me a break. And guess what? Now that Facebook and Google helped suppress the information and censor the viewpoints against Biden, acts that absolutely helped him get elected, he's bringing prominent people from Facebook and Google into his administration. That includes Dion Scott, who, before working for Google as program manager, was in Obama's Homeland Security Department. Obama DHS to Google to Biden team. Talk about the revolving door of politics! And Biden says he wants to regulate big tech. Bogus! He wants to regulate little tech to benefit big tech in the name of regulating big tech, which is always how regulations go. I'm warning you folks, we've seen over and over again what happens when elections aren't transparent. Greece, Ireland, Venezuela, India, 
Belarus, Mexico, even Canada. All sorts of places have seen riots and other civil unrest because of elections that were blatantly stolen or at least weren't transparent and didn't give people the proper form to air or discover their evidence. And as Taibbi said, quote, Do you want 70 million Trump voters in the streets with guns and go bags? Tell them you consider them the same as foreign enemies and start treating them accordingly. This is a stupid, dangerous, wrong policy guaranteed to make things worse. I want to tell you about the eyeglasses I've been wearing for years. As people can see on my videos, I have a very strong prescription, which makes glasses more expensive, especially when I need computer glasses, reading glasses, prescription sunglasses, and most expensively, progressive lenses for general everyday wear. To save money while still getting quality glasses, I get them from Fermu. In fact, I just got a pair of progressives with high-index aspherical lenses and a nice pair of frames my wife loves for just over $100. It would have been $500 to get them through my eye doctor. Not only do they look good, the glasses are durable. I've worn many pairs for several years without problems. All orders come with a 30-day return policy, a 3-month warranty, and one-on-one -on -one customer service. Go to Firmu, that's F-I-R-M-O-O dot TV, anytime you need quality glasses at a low price. Once again, that's Firmu dot TV. So now let's name 2020's Idiot of the and there was a lot of competition for the role this year. Governments and their response to COVID. Stupid things done by Trump and his administration. Lies and bad laws passed by Congress. Horrible things done by police. And specifically, California seemed to have done more than its share. It could also be big tech and all the crap they did. But there's one thread running through it all that cannot be denied. All of the problems caused by all of the other idiots could have been mitigated if members of the news media had done their jobs instead of joining in on all the bogosity and giving them cover and perceived verisimilitude. We saw that in practically every story we covered and running through every category we just reviewed. Journalists have the duty and the obligation to report the facts impartially and dispassionately. With a very few exceptions, they have totally abdicated that responsibility. They did everything in their power to try and make Joe Biden look good. They denigrated everything that gets in the way of that, including lying about valid scandals as being Russian disinformation and actively opposing efforts to make sure that the election results were tabulated accurately, going so far as to insist that there was no election fraud and anyone who says otherwise is a conspiracy theorist, even though every election has election fraud. They've absolutely destroyed people's understanding of the science of epidemics as they gave governments cover for their lies defending unscientific lockdowns and mask mandates, including the actual scientific consensus of targeted protection and even anti-vaxxer levels of denial of herd immunity. They portrayed the science as being pro-lockdown, but could only do so by slandering the names of tens of thousands of scientists in relevant fields who spoke out against it. Cases are now defined as anyone who has the virus, regardless of symptoms or risk status. 
The latest prevarication is how they're scaremongering about new strains. Scientifically, a new strain is when a virus is modified to the point that it spreads a different way or the human immune system responds to it differently. Now, any mutation of the viral RNA is being screeched about as a new strain, even though most mutations have no effect on the organism whatsoever. People who riot are called protesters if they're on the left. People who protest are called rioters if they're on the right along with white supremacists, domestic terrorists, and all the other buzzwords they like to use. And through it all, people are misinformed to the point that someone who's been in a coma for the last 30 years probably has a more accurate view of reality than people who get their information from the news media. So no one else could have possibly been 2020's Idiot of the Year. survived another one as our little podcast moves into its 10th year and judging by this first week of 2021 things are showing no signs of letting up so if you'd like to help please go to donate.pagosity.tv for several ways to donate and discord.pagosity.tv to join the discussion we'll see you next week until then here's a quote from newton lee media manipulation is commonplace for people who do not look outside their comfort zone they will never learn the whole truth If scientists had not challenged the status quo, we would not have enjoyed modern medicine and technological innovations today. The Bogosity Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution on Commercial and Derivatives 4.0 International License. We live in a world where light bulbs connect to the internet, and recent attacks on them prove that your online security is under threat like never before. Not only your websites, but the internet-enabled devices you buy. And the biggest problem is weak passwords. That's why you need LastPass. LastPass allows you to randomly generate strong, unique passwords on the web and on your internet-enabled devices, all protected by one master password. LastPass sets up in minutes and gives you secure automatic logins throughout the web, synchronizing across all your browsers, all your computers, and even your mobile devices, at home, at work, or on the road. It even securely stores sensitive form data, including credit card numbers, backup sensitive documents, software licenses, Wi-Fi logins, and more. And with LastPass Premium, you can get these benefits on other applications, manage passwords for your entire family, and also get priority customer support. Sign up at password.bogosity.tv for a free month of LastPass Premium. Log in securely everywhere using the last password you'll ever have to remember. Go to password.bogosity.tv and get LastPass now.